0: monument that is outside the National Archives building in Washington, D.C., and I'll show you a picture of it in just a second, but it's a a monument of a woman sitting on a chair, uh, almost like a throne, and she has an open book sitting on her lap. Perhaps if you've been there, you know which one I'm talking about. But what interested me about that monument was the quote that was etched underneath it, and this is what it said, what is past is prologue. What is past is prologue. This very famous line comes originally from William Shakespeare's play, The Tempest, but those words, they communicate a really interesting idea. It's the idea that the the past is merely setting the stage for the present. Whatever has happened up to this point is only the start. It's the prologue, and the true story is just beginning. And you know, in about 12 or 13 hours, we're going to be entering a new year, a new beginning. And I wonder, as we approach 2018, if we are also tempted to treat the past as just a prologue. Now, you might be saying, well, what's the problem with that? Well, just think about how you handle the prologue of a book. For me personally, I often skim the prologue or skip it completely. And even when I do read the prologue, I don't give it nearly the same kind of attention as I do the rest of the story. It's something I just have to get through to make it to the real story. And I think around New Year's times, we can sometimes treat the past just like this. With all the the focus of turning over new leaves, getting new resolutions in our lives, we we can get so caught up with the future that we don't take time to stop, to reflect, and think about what has come before. And so this morning we're going to be looking at a story from the book of Joshua about how God called his people to stop and to take time to remember what has come before. And we'll see from this story that remembering is really good for us and that remembering gives us gratitude for the past, courage for the present, and hope for the future. So if you have your Bibles, please flip over to Joshua three, seventeen through 4, 7 i the sermon this morning, Remembering the Prologue. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in one of the chairs in front of you, and this uh, passage is on page 103, 103. This is Joshua 3, 17 through 4, 7, and please stand now for the reading of God's word. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe, And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, when your children ask in time to come, What do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each person that you brought here this morning. We pray now that you would speak to us by your spirit. Encourage us, challenge us, point us to your Christ. We pray this all in his name. Amen. Let me give you just a little bit of background of what's going on in this story if you're not familiar. Moses has just died and Joshua has been put in charge of God's people and they are finally now entering the promised land. The Jordan River was kind of the last remaining thing in their way until they got to the promised land. And so you think if ever there was a time... To be focused on the future. If ever there was a time to just think of what's ahead, this would be it. They just spent 40 years in the wilderness and now they're finally entering the promised land. And yet that's not what God calls them to do. After 40 years, the first thing God calls them to do is to pick up some stones. It sounds crazy, but that's what God wants. He wants them to build a memorial. Build a monument. Now typically when someone puts up a monument, it's because either something really bad happened or something really good happened. So for instance, we have monuments to remember what happened at Pearl Harbor. We also have monuments to remember what happened on 9-11. But there's the other kind of monuments, too. We have monuments for the Statue of Liberty and Abraham Lincoln or Mount Rushmore, things like that. Monuments are a way for people to remember the past, both the good parts of the past and the bad parts of the past. And I think that's exactly why God is calling Israel to set up this monument, so that they can remember the good parts of their past and the bad parts. You see, this monument is not just a monument to them crossing the Jordan River. Look at what Joshua says, just a few verses on in verse 21 through 24. This is what Joshua said. And He said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So Joshua is setting up this monument to symbolize both the Jordan River crossing and the Red Sea crossing. These stones are meant to be a monument to the entirety of Israel's journey in the wilderness from waters to waters. The Lord brought them out of slavery by drying up one body of water, and he brought them into the promised land by drying up another body of water. And so what this means is that these stones are not just a testimony to God's power. They do show God's power, obviously, but these stones are also a testimony to God's faithfulness. When a son or a daughter would see these rocks from afar and they would ask what they meant. The parents could explain to them how the Lord kept his promise to bring his people back to this land. And then they could tell the the whole story of how God accomplished that. They could explain how the Lord provided manna every day and provided water when they needed it. In spite of the people's great rebellion, God remained faithful to them. And then as the father or the mother would recount these details, it was meant to inspire not just awe, but also gratitude for all that God had brought them through. And you know, that's something we need as well. We need to look back on our own journey and be grateful for all that God has brought us through. And so the first reason we need to remember is because remembering gives us gratitude for the past remembering gives us gratitude for the past one of the things i love about new year's time new year's day new year's eve is that it gives us clear markers to kind of think through our lives it helps us remember our lives one year at a time And so this morning, before we go into 2018, I want to invite you to just take a minute to think about your 2017, to just kind of get in your mind what happened. So think about what happened this year to you. What was was your favorite moment of 2017? Just kind of get that in your mind. Think about it for a second. What What was your least favorite moment of 2017? Uh, Did something new happen to you? Was there some great uh, endeavor you started? Or were things mostly the same? Think about your relationship with your family or your friends. Or or how's about your relationship with the Lord? How how was that in 2017? Just kind of get this picture of your year maybe in your mind. And I'm hoping as you have that in your mind, I'm hoping you can think about the year concretely. And I want to ask you now a question. Have you thanked God for what happened in 2017. And I don't mean in like a general sense have you thanked God, but have you taken specific set aside time to lift up your voice in thanksgiving to the Lord for all that he did for you in 2017. Now, you might not think that that's that important or maybe something that would be uh, high on your priority list, but, but just consider what the apostle Paul says in Romans 121. He says although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In this section, Paul is describing the, the wickedness of mankind. And right near the top of the list is a lack of gratitude. A heart that does not give thanks to God is a major problem. It's one of the first signs that something's wrong in your life. It's one of the first things people do when they walk away from the Lord. They stop thanking him for what he's done for them. And this is exactly what happened to Israel as they were wandering in the desert. First, they just forgot who God was, what he had done. Then they started grumbling and complaining about their circumstances, and then eventually they rebelled against the Lord. Nancy Lee DeMoss, she talks about this in her book called Choosing Gratitude. If you've never read that, I'd highly encourage you to, called Choosing Gratitude. And she says this, Forgetfulness and ingratitude go hand in hand. Israel forgot to thank God for his deliverance, his faithfulness, his provision, his protection, and his miracles on their behalf. We must not do the same. We must never forget that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We must remember that he has faithfully met our needs and sustained us by his Grace. So let's not let 2017 slip away without remembering all that God has done. There's still time. Even today, you might be able to find some time to get alone and just thank God. Think through your year and just thank Him for what He's done this year. So the first reason we need to remember is because remembering gives us gratitude for the past. The second reason is because remembering gives us courage for the present. Remembering gives us courage. For the present crossing the Jordan River was the last step of Israel's journey out of Egypt, but it was just the first step on their journey into the promised land. There was still much work that needed to be done. For one, there was still nations in the promised land. The promised land was not empty at the time. It was inhabited by seven different nations that the book of Deuteronomy describes as as more numerous and mightier than Israel. If you remember the story when the spies were sent up to look at the, the promised land, when they were sent up originally to go look at the promised land, Most of the spies came back and were completely terrified of what they saw. They said the people in the promised land were like giants, and they lived in large fortified cities. And they thought if Israel goes up to war against these nations, they're going to be crushed like grasshoppers. So this next part of Israel's journey, it would likely be even more difficult than their first. And it would be a time that they would need great courage. And this was especially true for Joshua. If you remember, Joshua was one of those spies who went up to spy out the land. He saw firsthand just how mighty these nations were. And... Perhaps this is why Joshua is told four different times in the first chapter of this book to be strong and courageous. Joshua, Joshua knew what he and the nation of Israel was up against. But Joshua knew something else as well. Joshua also knew that his Lord, his God, was much stronger than anything or anyone who would oppose them. Listen to what he says in verse 23 and 24. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up until dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever These memorial stones from the Jordan River are meant to remind Israel of the mighty hand of the Lord. God has already used Israel to defeat and plunder Egypt. Egypt was the the strongest kingdom in the world at that time. And so they were to remember that and think, what what are these seven nations compared to Egypt? If Israel would just fear the Lord then they would have nothing to be afraid of. And they could find courage in their present by remembering their past. I think the same is true for us today. We may not be going to war against other nations, but we are engaged in a battle. And there are powerful forces at work in this world which are doing everything possible to draw us away from the Lord, to make us afraid, and to make us forget. Theologian, a theologian named Dale Ralph Davis, he says this, the greatest enemy of faith may be forgetfulness. Just as in marriage, the real threat may not be infidelity, but simply a slow process of forgetting, and a gradual failure to remember the preciousness of the other person. All around us we are being constantly bombarded with alternatives to Christ. Things that are designed to make us forget the preciousness of knowing Jesus. And this year I've kind of come to the conclusion that the the greatest thing that any Christian can accomplish is making it to their end of their life still clinging to Christ, still walking with him, still seeing him as the treasure he really is. So if you've made it now to the end of 2017 and you're still doing that, if you're still walking with the Lord, then praise God. That is something to be thankful for. But to make it to the end, the end of your life, beyond 2018, we're going to need courage. Courage to fight all the things that are pulling us away from him. And this kind of courage, as I said, is going to be built on remembering who God is and what he has done. And thankfully, just as God gave memorials to Israel to help them do that, he has also given memorials to us. Theologian Carl Truman, he says this, We need constant reminders of who God is and what he has done if we are to stay on the straight and narrow. And and that these are provided by the routines and rituals which God specifies in Scripture. For the Christian, under the terms of the New Testament age, these are the word of God read and preached and heard and the sacraments. These things are given to remind us of who God is and the neglect of them will only help to accelerate any proclivities towards forgetfulness that our instinctive rebellion of God encourages. We are a forgetful people. When I get home from driving somewhere, I put my keys down, and five minutes later, I can't remember where I put them. We forget things all the time, and it happens in our relationship with the Lord as well. It seems we are constantly forgetting all that he has done. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the movie Fifty First Dates. It's kind of a silly movie. It stars uh, Adam Sandler and, and Drew Barrymore. But the premise of the story is that this guy named Henry, he goes on a date with a girl named Lucy. But the problem is Lucy has severe amnesia. And so Lucy can never remember more than one day at a time. And so she never remembers going on uh, this date or the many dates that would follow that her and Henry go on. And so that's kind of where you get the title, 51st Dates. But eventually in the film, I'm sorry I'm going to ruin the movie for you, but eventually Henry, he gets this idea to film their lives, to videotape their lives together, and then show it to Lucy every morning right as she wakes up so that she can remember all that they have been through together and then kind of adjust to the reality. And I think this is a great picture of our, what we need in our spiritual lives. In a sense, we all have spiritual amnesia. We forget almost every day who God is and all we've been through with him. And so we need daily And weekly and monthly reminders of God's character, of his actions, of his purposes towards us. And thankfully, God has given us those in the word and in the sacraments. The Lord knows how forgetful we are. And he has given these things to refresh our memories so that we can adjust to reality and face each new day with courage. So we need to remember because it builds gratitude and courage But we also need to remember because it builds hope. And that's the third point. Remembering gives us hope for the future. Remembering gives us hope for the future. In verse 6, Joshua gives the reason they are setting up these stones. Listen to verse 6. That this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to me? So the monument is to be a sign for future generations. God is telling the Israelites that one day you're going to have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. They're going to look at these stones and they're going to ask you what they mean. And I hope you see what God is doing here. He's building up hope within his people. He is promising them a future, a future where they will peacefully inhabit this land. These stones will be a constant testimony to the faithfulness of God. But you know, that day hasn't come for Israel yet. They're just beginning that day. And just as the people need courage to fight in the upcoming battle, so they will also need hope that they're actually going to win that battle. And this is what God has given them in drying up the waters of the Jordan. Right before they cross, God promises them that this is what's going to happen. So look at, go back one chapter and look at Joshua 3, 10 through 13. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know That the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jezubites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. The Israelites could be certain that God would cut off the inhabitants of the land because he had cut off the waters from flowing in the Jordan. Israel could have hope because they had witnessed firsthand what God was capable of. So in the future, when they became distressed, when they became fearful, they could look back on this moment and remember and be filled with new hope that they would be victorious and that God would keep his promise. Writing about this passage, Dale Ralph Davis says this. There is an implication here. If Yahweh so insists that Israel remember this day, It implies that this event was unique and that Yahweh does not usually work with such visibly raw power. If Yahweh did something of this magnitude every fifth Wednesday or so, why should Israel need to remember Jordan Day? Apparently, this sort of miracle will be infrequent. Yahweh's standard method of retaining his people's fidelity is not by frequent dazzling displays of power, but by faithful witness and teaching of those particular acts in which he had already demonstrated his care for his own. I think this same implication is true for us today. If you're at a discouraging point in your life this morning, instead of asking God to do something new, perhaps what you need to do is recall what he has already done. Just think about it for a second. Think about your life and your relationship with the Lord. What are the the big moments that the Lord has brought you through in the past? Is there been a, a difficult situation where God showed up and he was faithful to you? God wants us to remember those times. Looking back on those moments in our lives where we could see the faithfulness of God gives us great confidence for the future. It gives us hope that one day we will also be victorious and that God will keep his promises. But you know, there's something even better that we can look back to to find hope. If you're a Christian this morning, then your hope is not ultimately found in your experiences, as important as those are. Your hope is ultimately found in a person. As the hymn says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Jesus' death on the cross is the monument God has given you to look back on. When you remember Jesus being crucified in your place and for your sins, you will find hope. Not just for your circumstances to change in 2018, but for all eternity. Hope of a life unending spent in the presence of of God. But not everyone has that hope. For the non-believer, the the past is prologue until it isn't. If there's nothing after death when you die, then the uh, the story is over. There will be no more new years. There will be no more new anything. The past is all that there will be. But for the believer, The past, in a sense, really is a prologue. Yes, God calls us to remember the past, to not forget it, to thank him for it, to find courage in it, to have hope because of the past. But when we die, our story really is just beginning. Evangelist D.L. Moody, he once said it this way, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall only have gone up higher, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like like unto his glorious body. Christian, this is your hope in 2017 and in 2018 and